Hi, my name is Matt Fitzsimmons, and with me is Steady McKee, and you've joined the Best Small Business in the World podcast. Welcome aboard. Good morning, Steady. How are you? Good, Matt. How are you? Well, to be honest with you, I'm a little bit croaky, as you can possibly tell by my voice. Yeah. Um, and I'm not feeling 100%, but I am tuning up, mate. I am here with bells on because we've got a really important topic today. Very good. What is that? What are we going to talk about? Well, there's there's a lot of talk at the moment about recession and you know economic um, sort of uh, tough times and that sort of thing. And I thought it'd be quite interesting to have a uh, have a conversation about the signs that a business is 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 going to strike some tough times. Not external things like the market and that sort of thing, but internal things. What's happening inside a business? And you and I do this for a job. I mean, like we see we we recognize these signs every day. But what are the things that you and I look for that a business owner should be aware of because it's a, a sign of, I wouldn't say impending doom, but of tougher times than what they need to be. Well, that's a great point too, because the pattern recognition piece, right? We see patterns over and over and that's, I mean, so everybody who's listening to this can relate to that most likely. They've done, If you've done something for a while and you're a master, you're really good at that thing you, that you do, you see mm. patterns. So, um, you know, we see, uh, constellations of symptoms that when a patient explains it, you almost immediately know what's going on. You then go and test it, verify and validate, right? Um, there's the old adage of a novice and a master look out at a field and the novice sees a field, right? And the master sees the molehills and hills and fauna and flora and species and climate and all the rest of the stuff that goes into it, by the way, in the same amount of time, right? Yes. And I think that's the piece that's most telling for me, and most significant is in the same amount of time, the master, the expert can gather a great deal more information and process it because of the context and the experiences that they've had. Yeah. And both of us have been doing this for, well, I'm not thinking, I think I'm about 24 years and you're about the same, aren't you? Running businesses and in the business world. And you know, even like, longer, Matt, is that crazy? Is that why the, your beard's greater than mine? <laughs> <laughs> Even longer. So, yeah, I've been working with, you know, working with business owners and teaching and consulting and stuff for a dozen years, but then full time, you know, both feet in for over seven. Um, so, you know, going beyond the businesses I ran, where you get a lot of experience and learn, but like, you know, one of the things I early on suffered with at least a little bit was this idea of being, this isolation, right? Not being able to share, um, yeah. even even with a couple of business partners, it was still fairly isolating because there there aren't, you're not sharing experiences with a bunch of other people, which was actually why I hired a coach early on, got a, you know, other coaches along the way, joined EO, the entrepreneurs organization at one point, now I'm a member of the Thai um, SoCal chapter, but all of those give you a place to, talk to other people going through it because when you're out there on your own you really do feel isolated and, and I, I kind of got to the point where I felt like I was reinventing the wheel and I saw other people had done these things I did not know how to do them I wanted yeah. to go figure out and learn what what did they do why why am I trying to figure this out from scratch mm. so businesses what do we what do we look for um when we're not looking for it in fact we don't want to find it but <laughs> you know, this is the last thing we actually want to find. 
Um, but if you see, and, and I've seen quite a bit of this actually happen over the last year. There's, there's been a few signs that have popped up. Now, in this, and, and I know I've stated it, but I want to restate it, that these are not external things. These are not market forces playing right. on them. Every business has the ability to, to work around market forces and to, to counter them. So these are things that are, are uniquely internal things to a business. And for me, the first one is a business without goals is going to find it tough. Because what, what a goal does is it is it focuses the energy of the team in a direction. And I'm, I'm, I'm not even caring what the direction is, but a business without goals, and whether they be short-term, long-term, or hopefully a combination of all of them, um, without that, then I, I think times are tough because otherwise we just turn in, clock in, do our thing, go home, and there's there's, there's nothing more to, more to it than that. Yeah, I was thinking in my head, like breaking these down into different categories, right? Where it's the team dysfunctions, the strategy, process system type dysfunctions and leadership, but really it all comes back to the leadership, doesn't it? Well, it was funny because that was the biggest umbrella I found too. If you want to put things under umbrellas, so much of this comes under the umbrella of leadership. So like so much of it, if not all of it, practically all of it. Well, I think practically all of it, right? Because if we, even if we do kind of subcategories below it, right? Yeah. Strategy, goal setting, um, vision, putting, you know, articulating your purpose, articulating and declaring and discovering your core values, um, you know, managing, managing the managers, giving clarity to what it is they're supposed to do. That's all leadership. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. That that's. That's your role, by the way, if you're a founder, if you're an owner or operator of a business, that's your role as the coach. You can manage three things. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about those maybe, because that'll give us, again, you manage three things. So again, it's all kind of under the leadership umbrella, but the players, the plays, and the culture, mm-hmm. right? So let's, I guess what you were talking about kind of falls into the plays, right? We need to have a goal Absolutely. direction yep. process. Yeah. So yeah. how do how do we well let, let's go through the problems and then we'll come back to maybe root cause and solution. Yep. So what um, are some team problems? Oh God, we want to start. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably one of the big ones that I see when these tons of them is lack of discipline, all that sort of stuff. We, we, you could literally write a list an hour long. Um, and and, and well, a lot people of people have written books on this, right? Totally, that's how people make their make their livings on a lot of this. But probably the, the key for me is um, a focus on self, a focus on us and what we do and not on the customers. As soon as you take your eye off the customer. Now, I'm not saying to the detriment of your team, but if your sole focus is on keeping ourselves happy and keeping us happy and that sort of thing, then you're taking to the detriment your of the customer. To the detriment of, of the customer. Then you're really missing a big part of business because we are in business to serve customers. And... Without that, then you, you don't have a business. So that focus on self and not customers, I think, is is a biggie amongst so many others. But for me, that's what it's you know that, that, that that's it's a real biggie. I just encountered this, Matt. So I, I want to share the story because I wasn't sure how or where to share this, but it really got under my skin. Um, I was at a farmer's market on Sunday in our neighborhood. So if you're and went in the store called the Spanish Table. Spanish table has all this paella stuff and ports and wines and all the fixings and Spanish, you know, condiments and spices and all this other stuff. And they make a great cafe con leche. 
right? So I grew up in Tampa. I grew up on the Cuban coffee and stuff, which is ultimately Spanish. And we really like that, right? So I go in there and I order cafe con leche and a cookie for my wife. And I go back outside, give her that and get the, get the coffee. And then she's like, oh, I want one, which she had explicitly earlier in the day said she didn't, but whatever, right? So I go back in, I'm ordering the second one. And the guy at the counter, the register is distracted. He's busy. He forgets to write it down. He doesn't give it to the, the barista, the, the girl making the coffees, right? And I'm standing there and I'm standing there. I'm kind of waiting around. And there's this other woman, kind of officious, very self-important, who I've seen walking around the market and in the, in the restaurant, not the restaurant, the store, right? And I'm still waiting. And she comes up to me and says, I noticed you, she stands right in front of me, right? I noticed you've been hanging around. Do you, and I, <laughs> do, yeah. I know, uh, well, that's the whole thing. I'm like, there's so many better ways to approach this. By the way, I'm hanging around with a cup of their coffee in my hand, right? And yeah, I'm hanging around, by the way, by the counter where they make and give you the coffee, <laughs> right? So instead of going and asking any of the other employees, hey, that guy over there, is he being helped? Or ask me, hey, are you being helped? Is there anything I can do for you? Or, you know, yeah, I noticed you've been hanging around. And I just wanted, I'm like, yeah. And of course, I'm at this point, I, I was very quiet about it, right? But I'm like, I'm not giving her anything. I'm like, yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> right. And I wanted to say, well, your guy at the register forgot to give the order to the girl making the coffee. So now she's making the coffee. Um, she's been very, very nice. She checked on me three times, like, oh, I'm sorry, what did you get? You know, all this. And she's she's trying to hustle and get it done, right? But how does that how what is what is the impression that leaves on your customer? Yeah, totally. Right. Um, and what would the owner say, by by the way? I mean, I've named the company, right? I, it's on Clement yeah. Street in San Francisco. If the owner heard that or saw it, what you know, is that the way they want their employees treating customers? Yeah, yeah. Relentless focus on self and not their customers, right there. Great, it's a great example. It's, it, it's yeah, and and also somebody was failing the attitude test at this. That <laughs> well, I was about to at that point too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but another thing on that on that um, on the on the on the things that we look for is the um, the lack of looking forward. So market forces will will impact every business in, in you know in a, a bunch of different ways. But one of the things that you and I spend so much time with our clients on is looking forward. And and it's a famous quote. I'm not sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably misquote it because I'm a bit foggy in the head this morning because I've got a bit of a bug, but it's um the value is not in the plan, but in the planning. And, and if you're not looking forward and planning, because what planning does is it, it allows you, it gives you options. Now you might choose to, to, to take an option or not take an option or do more planning, but a business that doesn't keep looking forward is destined for decline. Um, and that's as simple as using using our, our, our toolkit, um, our, uh -huh. our book, the best small business in the world. It could be as simple as sitting down with your team and going, Hey guys, what does the next six months look like? Right. But if you're not doing that, then I mean, hey, how many people didn't get through COVID because they couldn't look beyond right here and right now? You have to operate right here, right now, but you have to look forward. Well, so 
for those who are who are familiar with autocross, right? Autocross is uh, not exactly track driving, but you go and set up in a parking lot and put cones out. So and the SCCA calls it Solo One. Um, but you're basically driving your car at the limits through a course that's just been put up, right? And generally that course is built with cones. And I've taught autocross and I'm currently now teaching two teenagers in my family to drive, right? <clears throat> so there's more gray, Matt. Um, that explains it. <laughs> it's accelerating, it's accelerating. Uh, <clears throat> but no, they're doing great, but this is one of the things so that I ask people, what do you think the first lesson is? What's the first lesson when you're teaching autocross? Because the objective is to get the lowest possible time. In other words, you carry as much speed through the entire course as you can, right? And there are no limits. You're, you're after safety, you're trying to go as fast as you possibly can, right? And if you've never done it, I would highly encourage everybody, anybody to go do it because it's a blast. Um, it's not expensive. The, there are volunteer instructors like me or other people. That's how I learned with a volunteer instructor. They have the person ride along with you. They'll walk the course with you. They, you know, go through everything. After teaching about how to lock your seatbelt and set up your seat and positioning, the next lesson that almost everybody needs, and I say look up, it's not literally look up, it's look farther ahead. Okay. Because yeah. what ends up happening is People are looking at the cones. They're looking at the cones they're closest to. They're looking at the cone at the apex of the turn, right? When meanwhile, there's another turn right there, 30 yards away, right? Yeah. And, or a slalom or something else. And then they find that their car is in the wrong position. They're not set up for the next turn, that kind of thing. So, you know, you look at this turn, you know where you're gonna put your, put your car. You then are already eyes up looking at the following turn or two ahead, you know, and what ends up happening the interesting thing, and the reason I love this analogy so much, is if you're looking at every turn, there's a lot of movement, a lot of hand movement, a lot of throttle, a lot of brake, a lot of, a lot of inputs, as we say, right? Which, if you think about it, I didn't realize this until, I didn't think about this in any depth until I was actually doing autocross and being taught. Your car is basically on four points of contact on springs. Okay, yep, let's see okay. that. So when you break, you're loading the springs. When you let off, they're releasing their energy backwards, right? When you turn hard left, you're loading up the right springs. When you turn or make quick adjustments, you're unloading. You're bouncing around a lot, in other words, yeah. right? It unsettles the car. When you unsettle the car, you lose traction, you spin, you slide, you lose speed, you go slower. Um, when you look farther ahead and you have smaller, smoother inputs, you go faster, okay? And this is directly, in my mind, directly related to your business, because as you said, if you're planning farther ahead, looking farther ahead, we have fewer adjustments and corrections to make along the way. The other side of that coin is, and you, I know you advocate for this, but those frequent one-on-one -on -one meetings, and by frequent, I mean every week or two weeks, can be 15 yep. minutes. We've been over this before, right? But, and people will say, well, but we're not really doing much of the meetings. Good. That's like driving on the track or driving on the highway. Small yeah. inputs are good. If you look away, you don't have a meeting for a month or you'd never have meetings. When you have to make corrections, what kinds of corrections do you have to make? Oh, massive ones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. huge. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not good for your business. It's not good for your car at, you know, 100 miles an hour. Either. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, small corrections. Yep. Um, so, so that was one. Um, what are some of yours, mate? 
what are some of your signs that you look for in a business that's about to strike troubled times, shall we say? Well, let's talk about two other leadership ones, right? I mean, no, they're all, all bundled under leadership, but the um, the shiny object, right? And then the reluctance to lead, the I'm not worthy or I'm not. Ah, yes. Right. Yes. So the shiny object is that, you know, you get distracted and this is uh this happens to all of us. What you have to do is you have to create some kind of discipline around when we're setting goals for the quarter or for the end of the year or whatever, that we stick to those. I, yeah, I can I can listen to this podcast, right? I can go to a conference, I can read a book, I can get inspired by something or think, oh, that's really important. And I can share it with my team. The, the risk of doing that as a founder, as a leader in the business is sometimes your teams will take that as a directive when wow. it wasn't meant yeah. to be. Yeah. I got you. Okay, so either you get excited and you start pursuing, or they think you're excited and they start, they leave the plan behind and start chasing that. That's kind of the shiny object thing, the squirrel, if you've watched up, right? It's one of our favorites. But um, yeah, so that's one. Was the other shiny object? Oh, the reluctance. So you you went yes and pointed at me. So yes, why don't you take the reluctance to lead, reluctance to manage piece? Um so so I, I obviously live in New Zealand. I have clients um, and, and, and countries all over the world. You live in the States. Uh, but one of the things I find here more than more than any other country is uh, we call it tall poppy syndrome. Tall poppy syndrome mm. is the um, the reluctance to stick your head up for fear of it getting chopped out. Um, and I strike that a lot. And unfortunately, sometimes in management and leadership, you have to do things which are uncomfortable. You have to put your head up and you say, guys, this is what we're doing. Here is what the focus is. These are our standards. Whatever it is, you actually have to take lead. And I'm not talking about being an authoritative sort of, you know, a, a really um, dictatorial leader. I'm talking about having some direction and actually standing standing up and saying, this is what we're doing. This is how we do it. And I see this so often that people, they lead way too subtly. And their, their staff sit there and go, what are we doing? Well, I don't know. The boss hasn't told us, or the boss expected us to read between the lines, and you know that's not oh my, my job between the lines. My job is to do what I'm told and jump on board a vision. And, and if a boss just told me what the vision is, I'd be totally there. But the boss doesn't tell me, so what do you do? And so it's the visibility of the leadership as much as sometimes you get a real reluctance to step up um, and, and actually lead, but it's the visibility and the clarity that, that comes around that as well. Because what people want, people want people, and, and this is, this is, I've struck this in practically every business. People want to be led. They want a direction. They want to be part of a, something going in a direction. So if as a leader, you can stand up and say, Hey guys, this is who we are. This is what we do. And this is where we're going. Right. And just as simple as that. It doesn't have to be any more compl complex than that. But just I, I, I love that. I mean, you know, I wrote, I just wrote my book on that, right? On the clarity <laughs> piece, right? Because, because it's such an obvious thing, but it's also so assumed. It's we, and I love what you said, because it's not a dictatorial, hey, we're going off this way and I'm carrying the flag and everybody follow me. The leadership, yeah. a lot of the leadership is, is, declaring a purpose, declare, you know, creating clarity um, and start with what are the, I mean, I've been doing this with all my clients going back and reviewing it. Um, what are the two most important things in each position? You're the coach. Number one, you're the coach of your team. If you don't know the two most important things for each position, how in the world do they? Yeah. 
Okay, so you've got to know that you've got to sort it out. You've got to make some decisions. You know, I can give you some examples, but you've ultimately got to decide what's the most important process this yes. person operates, right? Because it's not the result. Results are important, but results are a result. They're a product of the process and the execution. How good the process is to play and how good the player is executing and implementing, right? Yes. Then you get the result, but the result is a byproduct. Bill Walsh wrote yes. a book about this. The score takes care of itself. In other yeah. words, if you have the right people and they're doing the right things, you will get the result that you're hoping for, that you want more often than not, right? But we don't have that clarity around the two most important things a player does. The coaches don't. And when the coaches don't, like you asked, how do you know you're in for trouble? If the coach doesn't have clarity around what success looks like in each role, what the two most important processes are, two most important plays that that player runs. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, they're in trouble, they're lost. And yeah. if the players don't know, then we're in trouble. But ultimately, if the players don't know, that's not necessarily the player's fault. 100%, yeah. And, and there are so many books written on leadership. So oh. many things, like so many resources for, for leaders to jump on board and learn from. There's great examples on, on the news every day. You'll find a leader doing the right thing and being, right. being recognized for it. Um, and seven others that aren't. And seven others that aren't exactly mine. So if you want lessons in leadership, it's not like leadership is a mystery. It's in it's in the media every day. It's in libraries. It's in bookshops. It's there. You like we could we could talk for for weeks on just on leadership. We don't want to sure. we don't want we don't want to do that because the information is already out there. Um, well, but that lack of leadership and lack of visibility of leadership is 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 critical. Just one one point I want to follow up on that when. Because I, I do see the reluctance sometimes of people wanting, I see it manifest too, by the way, in delegating the wrong things, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they're delegating leadership and hoping somebody else will run the business and, and then they want to get involved in the, the doing of the things, right? The bookkeeping or the patient care or the painting house or whatever it is their business does. There are plenty of other people who do those things. You need to delegate the right things. But when you decided to start a business, you decided to become a leader. You know, you probably already were, by the way, but you decided to really step into that role with both feet and lead a team. Yeah. And if, you, if you're ambivalent about that at all, understand that you've already made that decision. Now you need to really recommit to it. And, and I love what you said too, because the biggest, biggest part of that is creating clarity where we're going, why we're doing what we're doing and how we're going to act along the way. And if you want more about that, then I thoroughly recommend that you read um, Steady's book. It's great. Um, it talks about that in a nutshell. It's it's great. So, you know, thanks. I'm not here to plug your book, mate, but, you know, it, <laughs> it relates so well to what we're just talking about. So, yeah, it's 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 critical that people do that and do that really, really well um, and do it better. Hold on, see, I'm just going to call off. One of the things that I, I see is people do leadership to their level of, of what they consider to be leadership. Leadership is ultimately a form of giving. You are giving yes. direction and that sort of thing. Don't do leadership to your level of comfort. Do it to your team's level that they need. And they probably, well, they might need more than what you want to give, but your job is to give. It's, it's a selfless act. You have to be selfless. You might have to go beyond your comfort zone as far as leadership goes and communication styles and that sort of thing. 
But that's the whole point of leadership. It's about it's not about you. It's about your team. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's exactly why I like the coach. And I use that language and talk about it because at least in my experience and so many people I've talked to, you know, we have a real dearth, a real lack of great managers, great leaders in the business world, organizational world that we can emulate or that, and even when they did it well, we didn't necessarily see what they were doing, right? So we don't know what to do, but almost everybody has had a great coach or teacher, teachers too, along the way. Right. Yeah. And um, or their kids have or something. And if you'll take that and, and break it down and figure out what made them a great coach. Right. There was accountability. There was push. They believed in their players, though. I'm talking about the great coaches, not all the coaches, okay? because that can be done really poorly as well. Yeah. But the great ones believe in their players. They think they can do more than maybe the player does. But they're also extremely clear about what the expectations are. They're there to support them. They're there to make sure they have all the things they need, be that training, um, equipment, understanding the plays, whatever it is. But their job is to help that player be the best that they can be in that position. And that's another, by the way, Matt, that's another potential problem more on the team side. If you have players and you're trying to be that coach and you're trying to help them be the best player they can be in that position and you can support them and they don't want to be, that's a problem. That's a bad casting call, I'd say. Right. Which ultimately circles back to, I mean, the coach is responsible for which players are in which positions on the field. Yeah. You have control over that, right? But if you're selecting people who don't want to be the best that they can be in that position, or you've mm -hmm. put them in that position, they've shown you through their behaviors that they do not want to do the work necessarily necessary to be that best player, mm -hmm. then it may be time for a shift in personnel. So I have this line that I use occasionally with clients if, if needed, um, which kind of is, is, is a way of looking at that. It's um, don't be concerned that I'm pushing you because I believe in you. Be concerned that I don't push you because I don't. And, and <laughs> that sounds really profound. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure if it's mine or someone else's, but it's a line that I use because if I push you, it's because I believe in you. I believe that you're capable of more. If I'm not pushing you, I'm sitting there and I've probably given up on you, which is a reflection of me, which is wrong. But, but perhaps, or yeah, may, may not, or, may, or, maybe, or maybe not. You know? <laughs> um, but it's a really interesting way at looking at managing people because. You want more from people because the more that they can give in their role and the more they learn, the better they get, all that sort of thing, the more satisfaction they get. And then you got all these other positive things. But part of leadership is leading people and pushing them to be more than what they what they probably believe in themselves that they can do. So um, that's a line I use. I use it quite often, far more often than what I would like to. But um, it's it's absolutely true. If I believe in you, I will push you. And, and that's because I do believe in you. Uh, right. And I work with tons of teams where I sit there and I'll have a one-on-one -on -one with someone and saying, I know that we haven't seen the best in you yet. I believe in you. I know you can do this. How can I help you become more of who you are? Absolutely. And yeah, we're there um, to help them excel, right? Exactly. Why turn up and just, just exist? Why not turn up and change a little bit of the world, just a little bit, just, just enough to make it interesting. So, um, so yeah, so what, what are the, what are the signs? I mean, like people sit there and they go, what are the signs? Oh, a bad PL, and a, a bad profit and loss or a bad this or that. Those are all outcomes. 
Yeah, this exactly. Start at the top. They start at the top, and 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 they they flow out to that outcome. Right. Um, right. No, you're exactly right. That's a result. That's not, and that that's something that we too often try to manage. We try to manage the KPIs. We try to manage the result. Mm. Back up. Manage yep. the process. Manage the players. You yep. will see a different result. The results are, you know, bad PNL, as you said, right, or low profit or something like that. That tells you how you've been performing. That's kind of like driving, looking in the rearview mirror, and asking yeah. which way I'm supposed to steer. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Right. So, but it tells us that, hey, we didn't get the result we wanted. So we need to go back and look at the component parts of that and figure out what we need to do differently because we don't want to do the same thing that got us the yeah. poor result. Yeah, exactly. So um, one of the other ones that I say occasionally is People are burying their heads in the sand. And we saw this a lot with COVID, right? So COVID rocked up and it changed the world that we lived in. And there's a bunch of people who just stuck their head in the ground. Now, you don't have to react to everything that's happening in the market, but it's really handy to be aware of what's going on in the market because then you have the option, do I react, do I respond to this or do I not? Or what do I, what do, I do? And the smartest companies, and, and we see this in the world of IT and that sort of thing, they are so aware of what's happening, both from the mega trends perspective, but just the micro trends. They understand what's going on. And this is relevant to from everything from a coffee shop to a software company. They, they It needs to be a market awareness, just what's going on in the market. How's the rest of the market responding to what's going on in the industry and that type of thing? So um, that's, well, that's, that's critical. Yeah, and there are two things there that you really make me think about and, and want to bring up is first one is a lack of response is a response. Mm, absolutely. Right. Yeah. The inaction is a form of action. It's the action of not taking action. Right. So at least we at least want you to be doing that deliberately. Yes. Okay. Don't don't not respond because you don't know what to do or what, you know, get help. There are plenty of people out there. There, you know, you have colleagues, you have other owners down the street, maybe. Um, that you can go and just say, hey, this is going on. What are you guys doing? Um, okay, so that's one. The other is to zig when everybody else is zagging. Because when, um, here's another example. <clears throat> so remember after the Super Size Me show came out? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And McDonald's and all the major chains basically freaked out and tried to go healthier. Right? Yeah. And they all, uh, we're going to put salads on our menu and we're going to do this fresher and we're going to, well, I mean, come on, McDonald's is never going to be healthy, right? If you want it as a treat or whatever, go go for it. Well, Arby's, or not, maybe it wasn't Arby's, was it Arby's? I think it's Arby's. Um, Carl's Jr. for sure. Some of these other other chains basically went, went the other direction, right? So they went, oh, you're going to go healthier. We're going to add another patty and some bacon and two cheese and an egg right or cream sauce or whatever else. and you can put it together and you can get the calorie count you know you can order online you go to the websites you can like order put together your own burger for pickup and you know the ads have people like dripping all over the place and and that kind of stuff and it kind of salvaged the brand because before before for some of these guys it was just like we're just one of one of the herd right and when mcdonald's and burger king and some of the other big big ones tried to go one direction they went oh we're going to go this way instead. Yeah. And 
that that is also a very you know depending upon the circumstance right but check out and see if is that a valid possibility or choice for you and your business yeah yeah exactly yep um i remember i went to the heart attack grill in las vegas <laughs> right 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 and they have the world's highest calorie burger i'm not sure if it, it actually is but it's like ten thousand calories in a burger. why not advertise it that way though well they did they they, they do they they say they they when I was there they sold cigarettes and they sold full cream and <laughs> milkshakes and and beer and not in small cans we don't sell small cans of beer we sell big ones because you know if you're gonna kill yourself kill yourself big man go big or go <laughs> home and they they and uh, and they have they have a rack so if you don't eat your food you get slapped on a rack it's 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 hysterical <laughs> and they knew exactly what they were it was hysterical um. But yeah, they, they're not trying to be with the herd. In fact, they're right. doing exactly what, um, uh, what 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 you just mentioned, which is figure out what they're doing and then do the, do the other, the, do the complete opposite. And in that yeah. particular in that particular instance, it works a treat. Um, yeah, you have to go there. It's it's hysterical. Yeah, there there, but there are so many examples of that kind of thing. Yet, I think all of us, you know, this is one of those things. To go back to the original question, how do you know that you're potentially in trouble, trying to assimilate, trying to be one of the herd, trying to fit in is yeah. not usually a path to success. It's something we're taught to do. It's something we're conditioned to do. Mm. But, and, you know, I mean, we've talked about this before. You go to a, a physical therapist conference, right? At the airport or on the, at the departure airport, you know who else is going to the conference because of the way they're dressed and the way they're at, you know, it's like, oh yeah. my God. And everybody's trying to fit in. And if you walk in to the exhibit hall and you look different, dude, you get like looked at, stared at, right? I mean, I, I went out with a buddy um, quite, a, was quite a while ago. We went out before COVID and he's a sales guy and all his sales buddy friends were there, you know, and my beard was longer and whatever, we're in the city and I'm dressed the way I dress. And he looks at me and goes, why are you here? <laughs> and I'm like, because it's obvious I'm not one. Right, it's obvious I'm not one of you. I'm like, that's fine. That's totally fine. I looked. I just looked at my friend. I'm like, Rob, why am I here? Right, and he's like, uh, he was so embarrassed. Right, like, oh my god. But yeah, if you're if you're not different, you're invisible. Oh yeah, that's purple cow one on one, isn't it? Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So um, so there's so a there few things there to go away and ponder. Because I think that, you know, when you're a leader and if you are facing great market, um, sorry, a, a great market where you're booming, that's great. You should look at your business. If you're in a decline market, great. You should look at your business because right. these signs turn up regardless of the market, regardless of the industry. They'll turn up when times are great. They'll turn up when times are, are not. And, and these sort of things that we're talking about, interestingly, as the leader of your business, they all involve some aspect of leadership. Everything we've discussed has an yep. aspect of leadership. So if you want to, I would suggest go back and listen to this podcast again, write some notes about these sort of signs and then get somebody and, and, and do it yourself, but get somebody to take you through these, these, these points and go, really, are these things in any way relevant to your business or are they appearing in your business? And I think that would be a really good exercise for for people in leadership positions and businesses well yeah i mean they're all relevant to all of our businesses right even as we're talking about these things it's like okay kind of checking the boxes making sure oh i could do that better you know there there's always room for improvement 
at every level. And again, I wanted to just go back to when you started your business, you decided to do this. And I would encourage you just to embrace it because it is the role you chose, whether that was explicit and deliberate or not. Embrace it. You can't, uh, you can't delegate the leadership of your business. You can delegate almost everything else, but you can't delegate the leadership. Yep. hundred um, percent. And like we said, practically all of this comes under the, the leadership umbrella. It's funny because when I was designing and thinking about what I was going to say, you know, you've got operational issues, you've got marketing yeah. issues, you know, all these different things and we could go on about the obvious signs. I mean, like that, but they all ultimately fall under this big yep. thing that says leadership, you know, it's people. Wow. Who, who leads people? Well, the leader. Okay. That's cool. They all, they all fall under leadership. Um, so yeah, it's, it was funny how that, how that worked. I didn't expect that, but it really does. Yeah. Well, good, good, good work and a great, great conversation, Matt. Thank you so much for kind of leading and sharing it. It's awesome. Nice. Steady. Thanks for joining. In. Um, thanks for, thanks for meeting today, mate. It's, it's been great as always. Um, if you want to, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, Maybe we've triggered you in the best possible way. Maybe we have. Uh, I hope um, so. Um, if you want to get in touch, our details are on the bottom of the podcast. Flick us an email. We'll have a yarn. And if you can recognize any of these signs of your business, um, then, yeah, we can have a, we have a, have a conversation about that. There's also a link um, in the, in the, in the uh, description to this, The Best Small Business in the World. This is the book that Steady and I wrote. Um, it's part of a massive toolkit. Um there's far more to it than just a book. There's sheets and there's, there's coaching help and there's all kinds of really good stuff. Um, I'll leave that link in the description. Go and check it out. What we do is we do this for a job. This is our, I wouldn't say nine to five, but you know, when did I start at nine last? I think, <laughs> I think 5.30 is my normal start time. For six to nine. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So um, if that interests you, you want to grow your business, then that's a pretty good place to start. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening and sticking with us. Thanks, Matt.